This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. So good to see you. Uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do today. Hey, talking about the new year, uh, 2022 was a great year for this church. Can, can we just give God some praise just for a minute? Amen. <clears throat> and I just want to mention to you that whenever you look as far as the, the history of the church, um, God's blessed us. You know, we've had so many just great things that have happened at Church Live, but technically 2022 was actually the strongest year our church has ever had. And whenever I say that, sometimes people wonder, well, is that just attendance? Is that ministries? Is that finances? In every aspect. In every aspect. And so, to God be the glory. Amen? So, we're excited that, that, you know, we saw salvations last year. We baptized a lot of people last year. Our life groups blew up last year. We had a lot of folks that that just really got plugged in, more people serving. And so, I want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to serve, to give, and just for doing what you do. Amen? And so we're believing for just greater days ahead. It's going to be a great 2023. Can we all just say amen to that? It's going to be a great 2023. So hey, let's get into the uh, teaching today. I'm calling this teaching Look Ahead. Everybody say Look Ahead. And as we roll into this new year, some of you are probably hoping that maybe this new year was a little bit better than last year. Once again, everybody's year was different. A lot of you dealt with some great things. A lot of you maybe dealt with uh, some hard things, some loss. You know, I lost my mom. Uh, in April of this year, and sometimes that kind of stinks, you know, especially around this time of year. But you you may have had a year that was a little tough, or you may say, man, this last year was great, and praise God if it was. You know, I'm praying that this next year is, of course, going to be amazing, and I do believe that in Jesus, the best for us is yet to come. God always wants more. Somebody say more. More for our lives. And so if you're just believing for a better year, I want you to listen up today. I want all that God has for me. I want all that God has for my family, for my wife, for my children. I want all that God has for every one of you and for this ministry. Can somebody agree? That's what we want to see God do in our lives. And whenever we try to to do things ourselves, a lot of times we end up getting on the wrong road, right? And let me just say this. We've just got to stick with God. We got to trust God. We got to do what the word of God says. We got to stick with him. Amen. And we need to, to always just go back to what the Word of God says. And whenever we do that, we can't go wrong. We can't go wrong. But in the Word, actually, the story of Nehemiah is a fantastic example of restoration. And there's a lot in there that we can learn from it. And so we're going to kind of look at that story today. Uh, we're going to kind of just talk about it. And then we're going to look at some scripture from it. But it's about reclaiming the promises of God, rebuilding the walls and the city gates of Jerusalem that ultimately uh, had gotten all messed up and restoring a nation back to its former glory. Now, in a nutshell, Nehemiah, he was a Hebrew in Persia, and he gets word that uh, the temple in Jerusalem was being reconstructed. But then he's troubled because he finds out that the gates and that the walls surrounding the city are just completely messed up. And in a nutshell, the city can't be protected. And so he's got just this desire on the inside of him to go and to remedy that situation. Have y'all ever seen a need and you're like, I need to fix this need? Anybody ever been there? And it may have seemed like a big issue or a big thing that you were trying to tackle. That's, that's the way he was with this situation. He said, you know, these walls need to be rebuilt. These gates need to be rebuilt as well. And so he ultimately goes to the king, his boss. He's the cupbearer. 
And he's going to ask the king permission to be able to go and to do this project that could be very long. And he's going to ask the king as well for resources. And he's going to ask the king basically for his blessing to be able to do this. And in spite of opposition, in spite of accusations, uh, they rebuilt the walls, they rebuilt the gates, and ultimately the enemies were silenced. Come on now. The enemies were silenced. And the people, they were inspired. They gave financially to the project. They, they gave of their time, the manpower. And the wall was uh, actually rebuilt in 52 days, which was insane that they were able to do it that quickly. But the Word of God has principles that apply to all of us. Can we agree to that? I mean, there are some principles in the Word that apply to every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are. And so today we're going to look at what God wants to do in the lives of His people. And that includes all of us. And how many of y'all desire restoration in your life? Because that's his desire for your life. Everybody say, that's his desire for my life. And his power to restore is just as available to us as it was to Nehemiah and to Jerusalem. And so today we're going to look at uh, some principles. These are like not short points. I know I normally do short points, but these are, we're going to call these principles. And the way that I wrote them was is that they're going to apply to us as we read them off. So the first thing today is that restoration in the kingdom of God is not getting back to where I used to be, but going forward into what God has called me to be. Going forward into what God has called me to be. Now, the word restore here, uh, it maybe makes you think of something like restoring a home uh, or maybe restoring a vehicle. We've got guys in our church like Carl Stringfellow that takes older vehicles and restores them. And we see a lot of shows that are about restoring houses and vehicles and stuff like that. But that's taking it back to the way that it once was, right? That's taking it back to what it was, to its original form. But here's the thing. Going back to the original may seem okay, but God actually wants what's absolute best for you and he wants to take you back to an even better place than the original. Come on now. Even a better place. And one of the biggest challenges for us as humans is we get stuck in this whole pattern of, well, based on this or that, I can't get back to where I was. And so many times what we have to do is to get past all the regret that we dealt with. Um, have y'all ever thought to yourself, I wish I could go back before I did something? Let's think about some of that. Um, I wish I could go back before I walked out of that job. <laughs> like you, you maybe got frustrated and you said, forget this job. And then about a week later, you're like, I probably should have stayed at that job because there's bills to pay, right? Sometimes emotions can have us doing not so great things. Uh, maybe it's a thing of, I wish I could go back before that divorce that I went through. Maybe it's a thing of, I wish I could go back before, you know, I ever started doing this or ever started doing that. I wish I could go back before I ever dropped out of school. So many times we have this thing of regret going on. And if we don't watch it, what we're going to do is we're going to get stuck in this place of bondage. This place, some, somebody say bondage, where all our time is spent wishing we could have done something differently. And we just focus on what we didn't do right. We just focus on what we should have done and what we did do rather than the future. We don't need to be looking at the past, right? 
And here's the thing. If you're dealing with that whole thing of, I wish I would have done this differently or that differently, I want to give you some truth today. You can't change it. Wish all you want. You can't change it. It's the past. Somebody say, it's the past. And you need to leave it in the past too. It's the past, leave it in the past because you can't do a blame thing to change it. And what you need to be doing is looking ahead. Amen? Amen. We need to be looking ahead. The second principle today is, is God wants to restore me, somebody say me, me, to my full glory. Now, I like this second part right here a whole lot. The best version of my life is yet to come. The best version of my life, that ought to get somebody excited. The best version of my life is yet to come. Now, I want you to think about this. Some, some people, even believers, uh, sometimes they want to go back to the good old days, the good times. Maybe y'all have got family members that talk about the, the old days a lot. They talk about maybe even uh, Christians do this about an encounter that they had with God or maybe some powerful services that they were part of years ago. And maybe it was a great revival. Maybe it was certain songs. And people often want to go back to those old times, those good old days, and, and you'll hear them talk about, do you remember when? Do you remember whenever this happened or that happened? Sometimes over time, as we start to reminisce about the past, sometimes it gets a little blown up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was good days, but it may not have absolutely been the best days. Here's the thing. God doesn't want us to focus on the past. He doesn't want us to focus on just what we experienced back then. And I want you to know this. If it's not happening now in your life, maybe it's time for a self-examination. I'm going to say that again because it was really good. If what you experienced back then isn't happening now, maybe it's time for a self-examination. Because the word says we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. We don't go backwards, right? We're supposed to go faith to faith, glory to glory. And God, what he wants to do in our next life or in our lives is actually next level. He doesn't want to take you back to the old days. He's got something greater for you down the road now. Amen. He wants to take you forward where you have a deeper encounter with him like never before. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. He never calls us back, but God always calls us forward. And if you feel like, man, you're always just craving to get back to the old days, listen, he's ready to write a new chapter in your life. He's ready for you to just experience something that you've never experienced before. And if we focus on what was, we're going to miss out on what is and what could be because we're looking in the back. We're looking behind us. We're not looking ahead. We're looking at our past. Amen. I mean, I've had some powerful encounters with God. I got to tell you, there, there was an encounter I had with God whenever I was in school, and, and it was a life-changing moment in my life. I think it was the beginning of what God has called us to do right now. <clears throat> was it an amazing encounter with God? Absolutely. I mean, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It, my mind was blown. My parents will tell you I was never the same after that. But I want you to know, I can't just keep reliving that night. God's ready to like have that and greater things and more and more explosive encounters in my life. Amen? But it's up to me if I'm going to be just stuck in that or if I'm going to go forward with him. And too many of you, maybe you're just dealing with the past of what you've done. Listen, get past that and look straight ahead. Look straight ahead because he's got some great things that he actually wants to do in your life. As a matter of fact, Jesus' first miracle, y'all know what it was, turning water into wine, right? 
In John 2, 9 and 10, it says, whenever the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine, he said. Serves it first, he said. Then, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. Until now. And so Jesus' first miracle just shows that truly the best is yet to come with him. It always gets better, amen? amen. I mean, life could, should continually get better for us. It should continually get better for us. And you may say, well, Gene, you're gonna have, we're going to have moments that aren't that great. We are. But I've also found out whenever I draw closer to God and whenever I'm obedient to God, it can't help but get better. Come on now. Faith in the, word, in the Lord, doing exactly what he's called me to do, being obedient and drawing closer to him, it's going to get better in our lives. Amen? It's absolutely going to get better. And here's the truth. If it's not getting better... It's probably our own fault. We are the bride of Christ, are we not? Can I tell you something? The groom doesn't mess up, ever. It's not him. If something's wrong, it's a deficit in our lives. It's something that we're not doing that we should be doing. Jesus says in Luke nine sixty two, it says, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then does what? Looks back says he's not fit for the kingdom. He wants us to look ahead. Somebody say look ahead. He wants us to focus on the future and look ahead at what he wants to do in our life. And it doesn't matter if you're looking back in regret, if you're looking back because of some great times that you experienced. Either way, you're looking in the wrong direction. Today we need to be looking forward, looking ahead. Amen? All right, so our third principle today is that many people never experience the restoration power of God because they're always waiting on God. Through prayer and obedience, God works through me to accomplish the impossible. To accomplish the impossible. Now let's talk about Nehemiah again. If we go to Nehemiah 1.11, here's what had to happen. Nehemiah had this burden, but of course he had to go to the Lord. He had to go to the Lord, and it says this. This is him praying, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. All right, so Nehemiah's got this desire that, that man, he wants to go back and he wants to rebuild the wall there at Jerusalem. But he knew that he had to have the Lord on his side to be able to do it, right? Uh, he prayed for favor with the king. He had to approach the king as well. He didn't pray that the king would somehow just get a word from God and sense what he was thinking. Come on now. You got to pray and you've got to approach in the same way that he did. You've got to pray and you've got to move. Um, here, here's what I want you to understand. There's a lot of people that just wait on God. And they've been waiting their whole life because they haven't moved yet. And what we need to be doing, we need to be praying, but we need to be moving and acting as well. Nehemiah 2 verse 4, the king asked him, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, 
If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. So he had to speak up. He had to speak up. Verse 6, the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Come on now. I also gave the... I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I'll need this to make the beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself too. And the king granted me these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Y'all just see how good that is right there? So, so let's think about this. First of all, he had to pray, but he also had to move. He couldn't have approached the king without praying. I mean, he could have, but it probably wouldn't have gone right. Listen, whenever you've got big things coming up, you need to get prayed up. Amen? You got to get prayed up about it. And so he gets prayed up about it, and he goes to the king. And let's even think about this. Oh, by the way, he was the cupbearer for the king. So he, like, worked directly with the king. He was around the king every day, right? So he's going to the king and asking for a lot of vacation time, first of all. How long is it going to take? I'm not real sure, but I just need you to let me go. That was bold, wasn't it? And then he's like, and if you don't mind, King, here's something else I need. I need letters, basically like a security detail to be able to get from here to here without having any kind of issues. And God made it happen. And he's like, and then while you're at it, King, I mean, you know, just since we're having such a good conversation here, I'm going to need supplies for this. So I'm going to need access to the lumber yard and basically like just be able to take anything and everything I want. Oh, and by the way, King, um, I'm going to use that lumber to, to rebuild the wall, but, but I'm going to need a house while I'm there, so I'm going to go ahead and build myself a house with your lumber as well. Let, some of y'all feel like you can't ask God for something crazy. What you think, and whenever I say crazy, God wants to bless you. Come on now. He wants to do great things in your life, and sometimes you think to yourself, I can't ask God for that. Come on now. Are you faithful to give like what he says? He wants to bless you more than you could ever imagine. And this is just a great example. I mean, he, he asked for vacation time. Lots of it. Actually open-ended, if you think about it. He asked to be able to pass through without any issues. Then he asked for just all the resources he could use. And the king's like, yes, 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 yes. Oh, and by the way, this king was a pagan. You see, the word says that he can turn the hearts of the kings. And you may be dealing with a boss who you think, yep, they're pagan. I mean, that, that's how you would describe them. God can turn hearts, amen? amen? He can turn hearts. What seems impossible is never impossible for our God. It doesn't matter who the enemy is in your life that you're dealing with. Everything bows to the name of Jesus. Come on now. Whenever we've got God on our side and we're doing what he's called us to do, listen, we can move forward and we don't have to look back and the favor of God will blow your mind and other people's minds as well. What he does for you. It won't even make sense to you. But nothing would have happened if Nehemiah wouldn't have prayed and stepped out. 
He had to pray, but then he had to approach the king. Amen? The gracious hand of God was on him, according to the scripture. So if we fast forward a little bit, they're working on the wall. And while they're working, the enemy starts mocking them and starts threatening them. And the reason was, is the enemy did not want to see the wall rebuilt, of course. They wanted to be able to have access. And so they start mocking them. They start giving them a hard time. And whenever you look at, at what the guys were doing, it was impressive because in the word, it actually says that they were working with one hand, one hand, and holding a sword with the other hand. So they were doing what God called them to do, but I want you to understand this. They also knew that it wasn't going to be necessarily a walk in the park. How many of y'all have ever been there before? You're like, God, I know you called me to do this, but this is a little harder than what I thought it was going to be. It's not always going to be that easy. But you got to stick with God the way that they did, right? Nehemiah 4.9 says, But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. We prayed to God. And we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. God had opened the doors, but they still faced some opposition. And they knew that the task was bigger than them, but it wasn't independent. They had to have God with them to be able to do this task. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah knew he couldn't do this on his own. It was going to take him and the Lord together. And anytime we've got something great that God's called us to do, you can't do it on your own. It takes God operating through you. Amen? Stick with him, of course. But Nehemiah 6 says, and this is verse 15, and we're just kind of jumping on in this story. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. Isn't that interesting? The Lord can humiliate enemies. They realized this work had been done how? With the help. Somebody say with the help. With the help of our God. What had laid in ruins for years was restored back in 52 days. In 52 days, Nehemiah prayed, but he also acted. And only God could accomplish such a thing. But the thing is, is it took Nehemiah's prayers and it took his obedience for it to take place, for it to ever be able to happen. He spoke up, he made the request, they guarded, they worked, and then they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. He didn't just sit and wait. Listen, he didn't just sit and wait for God to do it because nothing would have happened if that would have been the case. He had to pray and he had to move. I, I truly believe that many, many believers don't experience much of what God has for them because they're waiting on God. They're just waiting on God. I, I want you to know you've got to act. Somebody say act. You've got to act. I mean, you've got to move in the direction of your prayers. So if you, one of your prayers is, is that, God, I need a financial breakthrough. Listen, you've got to move in the direction of that prayer. What, what do you mean, Gene? Do you have a budget? If you're praying for finances because you've got issues, then you've got to do your part. Praying for a financial breakthrough doesn't mean that you're hitting the lottery. It means that you're doing the work to get your finances in order with his help. So, so are you putting your, you know, your money on paper? Or do you have a budget? 
Are you not doing foolish things with your money? Sometimes you just have to cut back on your lifestyle, don't you? Come on. Nobody wants to do that, do they? Nobody wants to cut back on their lifestyle. Uh, you know, if you're praying for restoration in your marriage, uh, are you moving towards date nights? Are you moving towards spending time with your spouse, like carving out specific time for them, making sure that there's intimacy in your marriage because intimacy is necessary. Somebody say amen. Or you may be looking for some Christian counselors that you can talk to. By the way, just something I want to mention to you. About two weeks ago, the Lord dropped in my spirit, and Regina and I were talking about it this weekend, uh, that we're actually going to do a small group uh, coming up called Marriage on the Rock. We've done this a few years ago, and some of y'all that went through it will tell you it's good stuff. Let me go ahead and just get in your business for a minute. If your marriage has got some issues right now, then you've got to move in the direction of your prayers if you've been praying for it. And getting together and coming to a small group for 13 weeks could be part of changing your marriage. But the question is, are you just going to wait on God or are you going to move in the direction of your prayers? So if you've been praying for marriage, for a breakthrough with your marriage, what are you doing to move in that direction? Uh, if you've been praying for God to use you in ministry, what are you doing to move in that direction? Are you serving? Is everything beneath you? You know, some people, they, they can't usher and they can't lead a small group, but they want the platform. It doesn't work that way. But what are we doing to move in the direction of our prayers? Amazing things will begin to happen whenever we pray and then whenever we move in that direction. Our last point today is this, is restoration requires an honest assessment. I will never become the person God's called me to be until I get honest about who I am today. Until I get honest about who I am today. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, around verse 11 through 15, it shows us that the first thing Nehemiah did whenever he got there is that he walked around the wall and he had to take an assessment of what it was really like. He had to know what he was dealing with. He had to know what he was working with before casting any vision, before calling the people and giving them a game plan, before handing out tools, before motivating them. He had to know what it was that they were working with. Here's something I want you to get today, just a statement. God can't change the person I pretend to be into the person he's called me to be. He can't change the person I pretend to be into the person he's called me to be. He can only change the real gene. Come on, just put your name there. He can only change the real me. We can't act like we're somebody that we're not. And until we get honest about who we are and where we are, we can't become the person he's called us to be. And you know, he wants you to get honest with him. And it's not so that he can condemn you. He wants you to take that assessment of yourself, not so that he can condemn you, because here's the truth. He, he already knows the real you. But we have to get honest with God, amen? But he wants us to make that honest assessment so we know where we are, so he can get us to where we need to be. You know, where are we spiritually? Where are we emotionally, relationally? You know, you say, hey, I'm messed up and I've got issues. We're all a little messed up. We all got issues. We are all imperfect people, aren't we? 
And aren't we grateful for the grace of Jesus? I mean, he's done so much for us. But yeah, we're all a little messed up. But an honest assessment is required if we want restoration in our lives. And here's the thing. Get real with God. It won't disqualify you. Whenever you get honest with God, that makes them happy, doesn't it? It makes them happy. Today as we wrap up, I just want to kind of give you a, a, just a little illustration real quick. This is a drum, obviously. This is one of Cash's drums. And we talked about earlier about like restoration, sometimes thinking about a car uh, or maybe thinking about like a house or something like that. Uh, this is a cheap drum. And whenever I say this, like his drum set was $300, $350. It's kind of a, a beginner drum set for a kid. Over time, it's starting to take a beating. That's a pun, but anyway. But over time, what you find is with cheap drums, and I've done a little bit of this before because I've owned multiple drum sets in my life. Uh, over time, uh, you look at these drums and they kind of start to fall apart whenever you don't invest a lot in them. How many of y'all know a lot of times you get what you pay for, right? <clears throat> and so with a drum set like this, not like that, like that is a fine drum set up there. That's a, that's a higher dollar one. But with something like this, over time, what you'll find is, is like this, this coating right here, this shell will start to come off. Like the adhesive, it'll start to undo. Um, and the truth is about these parts is that uh, they're cheap, right? So these are what we call the lugs. And these are really cheap lugs. But the thing is, is that you can look at a cheap drum maybe 25, 30 years down the road, and it looks terrible, but, but this baby can be restored even though it was cheap. So what do we mean by that? Well, we could pop off the rims, as we call it. We could take it out the tension rods. We could literally strip it down to everything, but what you see is the black, or the inside you see the natural shell of the drum. At that point, we could actually take off this outside shell, and we could sand it, and we could stain it, and it would be absolutely gorgeous. We could stain it any color we wanted and actually pull out the natural wood. Then what we could do is we could come in with some better lugs. And on the inside, we'd probably sand that just a little bit, put in our new lugs. This is what we call the strainer for the snare drum. Put on a new strainer because that's as cheap as you get. And then we could pop another couple of heads on it, top and bottom, just quality heads. Most drummers, whenever they buy a new drum set, they change the heads instantly because they normally come with cheap heads. Now you think to yourself, well, we could do all that and we would restore that drum, and it would look pretty. But I want you to know, it wouldn't just be restoring it back to where it was whenever we got it. Because whenever we bought this drum, it sounded okay at best, even brand new. We could actually do all the things that I just talked about and have this sounding as good as that snare drum in there, which is roughly about five times the price. Why? Because it was restored. And whenever God restores in your life, he can take you back to an even better place than you ever were before. So maybe you've had some good experiences and you've thought to yourself, God, I just wish I could get back to that place maybe before I messed up. I wish I could just get back to that place before, you know, all oh, this ha happened in my life. God, I just wish I could get back to this place of where I was spiritually then. I want you to know he can get you there, but he can just springboard you into something much better as a matter of fact. 
because y'all, the best is yet to come. That's his desire down the road for you this coming year. The best is yet to come. Anybody agree with that today? Come on, stand up with me if you will. Thank you again for listening to Church of Lives Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.